Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. Click and subscribe at uh, Google, App, Apple, and Spotify. Rate and review us. Um, everything helps. And uh, also check out patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema where you'll find roundups on short films I see it the Sundance Film Festival, as well as upcoming Oscar coverage, and more. That is at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. One of the movies I was most interested in seeing going into the uh, Sundance Film Festival was a uh, Danish film called Speak No Evil. And the summary on IMDb goes as such. A Danish family visits a Dutch family they met on holiday. What was supposed to be an idyllic weekend slowly starts unraveling as the Danes try to stay polite in the face of unpleasantness. This is the work of uh, Christian Taftrup, who wrote the script with his uh, brother Mads, and it is a fascinating hybrid of satire, of dark comedy, of horror and just thriller drama aspect thrown in. I, I, I've actually watched this movie twice now, both during the uh, second screening at Sundance, and uh, it's, it's interesting to, I'm still in the, I feel like I'm still kind of in the process of, of thinking out my thoughts with this movie. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this as a uh, podcast, this review as a podcast as opposed to written, is because of the fact that I feel like that's kind of the best way that I've been able to really consider how I feel about this film and what I like about this film is through thinking about it, talking with other people about it, talking to myself about it, and... I it's really hard to come into a movie it's really hard to talk about this movie without going into spoilers and uh I had a chance to talk to Christian um for the sake of uh after this movie and as you'll listen in that we we really do dance around a lot of issues that go along in the film and so I kind of felt like, you know what? Let's just make this a podcast episode. It's actually going to be on Shutter later in the year, so I might do a written review of it then. But for now, let's just keep it verbal. Let's keep it in my spoken voice. The first thing that really hits me in this movie is the the score. I uh, it doesn't exactly, it's not like they completely ripped off The Shining or The Thing, but it gives off that same sense of unease, and that's one of the things I really loved about it. Uh, and the music in general, the use of music in general, is very Kubrickian, very much in the vein of The Thing. It's very much my shit. I absolutely love this soundtrack it is terrific and i really hope it becomes available because i loved it this is a very slow burn movie and one of the reasons that works so well is because of the fact that we're kept 
deliberately kept off balance in how we're supposed to feel about this Dutch com- this Dutch family. And as you'll hear in my interview with Christian, there's a lot of pro- thinking about the idea of communication, how communication fits into this a relationship with your family, with other people, what type of communication is permissible versus what type might be crossing a nerve, crossing over a line. And one of the things that the film does so well, and there's an interesting thing that uh, Daftrup does, and we talk about it in the interview, so I'll leave it for that, but he based, this is a film with multiple languages, and I think that really pay, plays in beautifully to the idea of miscommunications and just keeping things to ourselves as opposed to telling the people who probably need to hear them the most. This, there are sequences in this movie that are just genuinely troubling. Um, I will say it's not a, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable in an exploitative way, and I think that's important. Um, there are scenes that in this sequence, like this has probably one of the great scenes of tension in a movie, and it involves a shower, and it's on par with Psycho, I think. And I adore Psycho, but I think uh, Speak No Evil has a sequence that might be in that same realm of, holy shit, what the hell am I just watching? There's beautiful cinematography in this. This is a very dark movie, but there's also a lot of light. Uh, One of the sequences in the movie involves them going to a playground, and... I've never seen a more isolated playground, and it's it's one of these red flags throughout the movie that you kind of hope that the Danes are going to realize is, oh, well, this is really strange and disturbing. Maybe we shouldn't have done this. Um, this... It's hard to talk about this movie without spoilers, like I said. It's part of the reason why I have a hard time writing a review for it. But it also is hard to come up with the way to say things in a way that I think will get them across. I I think that's where my interview, that's why I wanted to pair this review, as opposed to just doing a quick take video, that's why I wanted to pair this review with my interview with Christian because, as as you'll hear, I'm still kind of working out my process about thinking about this movie and talking to him really helped in terms of thinking about things in a way that I didn't necessarily expect, but also hearing him talk about some of the things that I reacted to. And it's an unusual way of talking about moving uh critiquing a movie, but at the same time, I think it, in this case, it's probably the best way to go to start out. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Christian. 
he was an absolute pleasure to talk to. I had originally asked for 15, 20 minutes. We basically went around 30. And I think you'll see that was completely worthwhile. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. This is Brian Scuttle. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Christian Daftrup, the co-writer and director of Speak No Evil. First of all, uh, I want to say congratulations on uh, Speak No Evil um, premiering at Sundance, as well as being picked up by Shudder. I, 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 I can't imagine it's going to go over very well with the Shudder crowd uh, when, when they debut later this year. Thank you so much. Where did the initial concept of this movie come from? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, if... It, it, it came from my own experiences, I guess, but of course not as uh, nightmarish as in the film. But <laughs> I, 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 you know, I had several um, vacations uh, during my life. Uh, in the beginning, when I was a child, I, I traveled with my parents a lot to these places where you you know, you wanted to socialize with strangers. That that was just a part of the holiday. And mm. kids could play with other kids and you could sit at the long table in the evening. And I kind of liked that way of traveling. My parents did too. So they sometimes exchanged uh, phone numbers. And then a couple of times we were invited to other cities in Europe. And it wasn't ever really a great experience when we went into some private home seven months later with people you thought you knew, but because you didn't, you know them from the holiday, but that's yeah. a total different mutual ground. So, and then four years ago, I traveled with my own wife and our daughter and we met a Dutch couple and he, his name was Patrick as in the movie. And they, they was just so nice, but also a little bit creepy. And they invited us to see them uh, in Rotterdam the next year. And when we got home and read their emails, we, uh, we decided not to go. But then I just started to imagine what would have happened if we had gone there. Would it have been, you know, awkward or funny or... And then suddenly I just had these images that would be totally perfect for a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And then I called my brother with whom I ride. And I told him about the idea. And then we just started to flesh it out. And immediately it became this weird mixture of satire and, you know, funny, funny, small situations, but also very creepy and uncomfortable. And we decided to go all the way that we should have an ending where, you know, the worst thing would happen. So we started to write it, you know, basically, basically on my own experiences and and also, uh, of course, free imagination. So it, have, it has always been this combination of satire, humor, and something very freaky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I think uh, something very freaky is an understatement when it comes to this film. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, like, I, I've seen this movie twice now, and I'm still working my way through processing. I do know I really like it. I'm just like, oh, how do I you. even begin to talk about this movie? Because obviously you can't, I, I feel bad going into spoilers, but I don't want to go into spoilers because how do you, A, I don't want to give anything away naturally, but also I'm not quite sure how exactly else 
to talk about this to a certain extent because of the fact that so many of the <laughs> situations that come up in this movie are so that our reaction to this the situation is a huge part of how we react to the movie and yeah. it's yeah. were there any films that you were thinking about as you guys were writing this movie i mean i had very mm. i very much thought about um Hereditary, Midsommar, stuff like that. But mm. it feels like that's kind of too easy to, mm. uh, to, to like pin that down when it comes to horror. Were there any movies that you guys had in mind with this? Uh, not in the beginning. I think we, we, you know, naturally I have inspirations because I have, you know, I, I admire some directors through my life and I'm a little bit influenced by them. You could mention Haneke, Bonuel, uh, Lars von Trier, some of these big European auteurs. But as we were writing it, there were two things. It, it, it's actually true that we, you know, parallel in writing it, we saw Get Out and we saw Hereditary. And even though I don't think this film is the same at all of these films, what I noticed there was the freedom you had to, 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 do, to bend the genre, that it was so liberating that you could see a scary funny movie that had both. It had characters, it had laughs, but it was also scary. And and most important, they are about something, especially yeah. Get Out. There's, yeah. a, there's a statement about coming to society. There's satire. It deals with, you know, racism and, you know, all kind of social stuff, like a social horror, you could call it. Mm -hmm. So that, that became like a sign for me that I shouldn't be so worried because... When you choose to pick a genre, there's a lot of conventions and you know the, the horror genre a lot. You've seen a lot of, you know, guilty pleasure horror movies that are just entertaining. But I really, really wanted to say something about human nature. And then, of course, we were, you know, obviously thinking about a movie like Funny Games from the, from the, the Austrian director Michael Haneke, also made as a remake in the States, where a normal family is, is terrorized by two freaks. But in that movie, the violence is there from the beginning and mm. it's like a hostage drama. And what I thought was funny here is that there are no locked doors or basement that are creepy or ropes. We don't even have any weapons. We have a scissor. I don't want to spoil too much, but what 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 if we, we could write like a thriller where where these main characters could drive away from this house anytime? Yeah. They have the car outside. They could do it, but they don't. They still stay until the brutal end that we should not spoil. So, so these were just, you know, questions we asked each other. Could you make like a very, very suspense-filled uh, horror movie if you take a lot of these typical elements away and make it more psychological? And that was, of course, a challenge. But, but then we'd figure out this is what it is about. Mm -hmm. This is about people that are filled with manners, social behavior, want to be good guests, uh, but these people they're visiting, they're testing them. They're trying to push their boundaries. They are not so nice as they remember them. They're really trying to, to play with them, uh, but they're always in a dilemma, like, is it just me? Is it misunderstandings? And maybe we're just different. So there are always, you know, social reasons to stay, even though I think they have these big inner alarms saying, get the hell out of there. So in a way, it is sort of kind of, you know, get out, but in a total other way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was so exciting to to bend or twist the 
the cliches of horror a little bit. Yeah, a friend of mine and I have been going back and forth about the movie, and one of the things that we have been talking about is the fact that communication is, or lack thereof, communication is an important part of this movie. And the fact yeah. that, you know, they brought up the fact that, you know, there's there's the old adage that, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And, mm. you know, one of the things that I, you know, I've learned over my years is that, you know, in theory that works, but at the same time, as you get older, as you get more experience with life, <coughs> sometimes you do kind of have to say something. And yeah, the idea that the this this uh this family is just too polite to say anything, even when some of these truly unnerving things are going on, <laughs> is it it almost defy it defies logic, but at the same time you kind of understand where they're coming from in not saying anything because it's like I you've invited me to your home, which is great, and I'm glad that we did it, but at the same time, it's just not working. And it's like the scene in the kitchen is just so tense. And it's like you see them like as they're as they're bring out all of these grievances that you know, some of them, you know, they feel like small ones, but some of them obviously are very big ones. And I, communication is such an important part of this movie. Um, mm. And mm. I, I just absolutely love it. I mean, we, we talked a lot about that, of course. How do people communicate? And there are, there are you know, we, we communicate with people in a certain way when, when we don't know them. And we communicate with our wives and husbands and kids in a total other way if we know people very well but what i love is this language of what you could call small talk where you meet people for the first time and also you know maybe the second or the third time and there is these rules of society that in small talk when you meet people you don't know that well that you should agree on anything you can talk about the weather or the food or where you come from but you want it to be nice you don't want to be to break that rule and say oh, I, I, I hate your country. I've never went to Holland. I just hate it. Or, I mean, that would be extremely impolite. I mean, there are some people who does that, but the most of us are very dictated about certain social rules that it would be extremely embarrassing or we don't want to create conflict and we are not, many of us are not, you know, very used to that with people we don't know. So I don't think it is a criticism of that the film is saying these people should have just said what they wanted to say. It's It's something that is that that is very very human yeah and that happens for all of us and i was just reading books about it because it works on this very you know private level we all know uh, but it also works in politics and and you know the, i was reading about second world war how hitler came to power everybody thought that he was you know a bad guy but when politicians met him they were fooled because they said he was actually saying good things and he seemed nice and now he signs paper and he promised that there would not going to be a world war and 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 these politician politicians when they meet they're also in a way small talking and they want to you know they want to you want to believe that people you don't know that well you want to believe that they're good that their intentions are good. So you you live as a human being with this blind faith in a way that's the only way you can survive. 
But the thing is that this world we're living is, is also filled with evilness. And it, it can have many faces and many parts. But I was just so curious that what happens with communication? What happens with normal, ordinary people's choices when they meet evil, but are not, you know, used to it? They, they are very civilized uh, people living in a safe place, safe country. Somebody wants to do you bad. Will you permit it? Will you smile at it? Will you fight against it? And I think there's a big, uh, you, can, you can really argue that you will permit a lot of things yourself. So these characters are actually digging their own grave mm-hmm. because they, they don't have the tool to, you know, work with evil. But I thought that was on that level such an interesting theme. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison to make, and that that's a perfectly I I think as a it's a as, as a fascinating one to look at this through that perspective. And you know, there are a couple moments in this movie where the host family is very stern with their son, and yeah. you you see it, and you natural and you you recoil like the visiting family, but at the same time you. When, when they confront them about it, you understand where the host family is coming from because it's like, well, different families do have different ways of raising their children. And some yeah. are a bit more for- forceful, some are a bit not. But at the same time, you know, the, the visiting family, it's like if going back to the issue of communication, and I do want to continue in on this, but the fact that there are the two big moments where they decide, okay, we've got to leave. I couldn't help but think if the one parent had just said to the other parent what it was that creeped them out, what Mm. was they experienced that creeped them out, maybe choices later wouldn't have happened. I I totally agree. (laughs) But what we work with, what I also recognize from couples that... You can also be strangers to each other. I talked to many couples that had been in these situations and I was surprised that they didn't have that conversation, that they were trying to stand it out or it took two days before they actually looked at each other and said, how do you feel about this day? It's much easier to do that because it's just a weekend. As you said, they would have been, you know, much more brave and nice and, you know, maybe have saved, I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, lived a little longer (laughs) if they were able to communicate in between, you know, but they're not. And I think it's because what the film also deals with, uh, you know, that people look away. There's a a scene on the playground where he hits his child, you know, the the host dad is hitting his child a little bit and, and you should maybe have interfered, but it's easier to look away because it's also maybe not social right to raise uh, other people's kids so yeah. so i mean we were trying to create all of these uh, situations where there were two possibilities i mean they could they could interfere they could not and you believe in both of them and if the, the audience should accept that this couple was actually staying then you should also believe that the dutch couple sometimes were were right and and exactly you're talking about how to raise your kids i mean how how is the right way in denmark we're very normative very nice we want to talk to children as they are they are humans we we when when they do lousy music as in the film or theater <laughs> we're just clapping and say you're wonderful but you could also imagine a family that wanted your son to be a big dancer and there was just you know this is not good enough 
If you want to have talent, you have to practice. Why are you ruining it? And, you know, so it is, again, something about social norms mm-hmm. that kind of uh, makes you not act. So we were just thought that it, it should always be funny if, if the excuse would be the social norm, even though when we look at it, it seems really wrong in a way, but we understand why they don't do anything because I think it's very human. We all know that feeling somehow or another. Uh, I think it's very relatable film. And even though it's a horror film, it, it, I wanted it to feel real. I really wanted the audience to be up there on the screen with these very ordinary Scandinavian people. Uh, because I think in that sense, there lies the real horror. It's in the relations. Mm-hmm. It's in what you recognize. It's not in the supernatural powers or ghosts or axes or blood. I, I'm not a big fan of that. So I thought to make actually a, a realistic horror that was, of course, elevated because of, uh, because of the genre, yeah. Yeah, I, and uh, before, we, before we get off of the uh, subject of communication, there is one thing that you do that's really interesting, and I've never really, I don't really remember any other movies that have really done it, and I think it works so beautifully here. English is a common language between these two families, but when they speak within the respective families, they're speaking their native language. When Mm. did that choice come into play for you as you were writing the movie? Very early, me and my brother, whom I wrote it with, we, we decided in the beginning how fun it would be to write a movie in a language that are not our first language. Of course, we speak English, but we speak broken. We have mistakes. We we don't talk English um, at home. You know, I'm Danish. I speak Danish. And we thought the sound of this very touristy way of speaking English with a lot of flaws and all that, that could be just a fun way to do an English movie because there are a lot of, you know, foreign directors coming to America and then they have to mm-hmm. do their American film and everything is in, you know, the native language. But the idea of, communicate in in a language that are not your first language where you also have to like we do now i also have to think and search a little bit more all that but 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 that was just so uh, 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 it it became very liberated to write that we were actually writing uh the lines in english and we left them with mistakes because and it gave me such a freedom because it's not my first language and then you could also as you as you said you could shift so the Dutch could speak Dutch and the Danes will not understand it. And most people in the world, except the Dutch, of course, will not understand it. We chose not to subtitle it because, again, that feels extremely, you know, rude and you get isolated. Are they talking about me? So it was kind of reflecting the theme as well. So we could kind of shift between three languages. And because the film is about communication, it just felt so right. And uh, a new way of, uh, you know, creating... Uh, a film in another language. We uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Um, this is the the movie when when it does shift into horror elements. I I love the fact that it's a very subtle shift. I love that this movie is very much a slow <coughs> burn. And I mean, wow. even even you know even something like the playground they go to is incredibly yeah. isolated. Like, how do you even find that playground? It's like, I don't even understand how you know that playground exists. Like, nobody is around. It It is so freaky. But then you have something 
and I I have to say that there there's a there's one scene in the shower that is as tense as just unnerving in what it does and how it does it as any mm. scene I've ever seen in a horror movie. The oh, suspense you. of that, because you're not quite sure what to expect. They're not quite sure what to expect. And what we get is arguably more troubling because of the fact that it ends up being very matter of fact. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, that was, that was one of those scenes where it's like, you just, even more than if it like erupted into violence, it, 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 mm. it just, it just creates this unease and it's the way that you build upon yeah. different situations to, show mm. the family that this is not right. There's something yeah. not quite go- right going on here. Yeah. yeah. What was, what was, was there ever temptation to sort, to reveal the, just how sinister things were going to get earlier? Yeah. 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 And we, we worked on the script in many versions and, it all comes down to the absolutely right. We are trying to create unease and we're trying to create a very, very uncomfortable situations, but where you really can't put a finger on it. It's also hard to tell, you know, take the shower. Yeah, it's it, she's in a shower. There's a man behind the shower brushing teeth, but I mean, it's his bathroom. She takes a shower. So maybe it's her that is rude. I, we wanted to create situations that were very, two-sided and what we began with in the first draft it was uh that 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 they were too creepy too early i mean that uh, we i think we had a scene where they were extremely sinister towards that child and hit him and was like punishing him already in the mm-hmm. beginning in such a brutal way that the danish couple would become stupid if they didn't leave yeah. so it, it, it what you're saying is all about the build-up it's all about the suspense how long can we you know, go before we reveal anything. And because I'm not a big, huge horror fan in that sense that, you know, I like the first the part of a horror film always because it's more in your expectations. You know, something is going to go bad. You don't know how. But then I think in the end of a horror film, it becomes too much and you always have to explain things. And I just thought if I could make that first half <laughs> as long as possible, <laughs> but still keep it exciting, then we could have a third, third act that could be, of course, violent and over the top and all that that horror movies tends to do so so all these moments of unease it was very we worked a lot with it because we should feel that they are on at ease but there should also be a reason why they still stay so you could never tell is me is it you am i is it is it me i'm rude i'm taking a shower or is he a little bit too close with that toothbrush so that was all of the fun part of writing it, but also very difficult because it should be so subtle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine because of the fact that it's like, and I I didn't necessarily, and you, you bring up an excellent point about the different perspectives. That's something I didn't necessarily even think about, but you're absolutely right. And even in later situations like that, that comes into play like the first time that they're inspired to just get out of Dodge, 
but they end up having to come back is because of the fact that they make a choice that probably was not the right one in that particular case. Did they necessarily know? No, but maybe they should probably, you know, consider the consequences of what might happen, but you don't know the consequences of that. Um, and you don't expect it. I yeah. mean, it's what's the worst that, as they say in the film, what, what's the worst that can happen? It can be that they have an argue, for example. You don't expect them to be, I won't reveal anything, but what they actually, <laughs> how far they go. You don't expect that. They met them on a holiday. He's a doctor, he says. So <laughs> he has authority. They have a nice kid. They play together. You kind of think, oh, we get along very well. And they leave because they had bad experiences, but it's not like they, you know, think that they're going to, you know, <laughs> I want to reveal, yeah. as you know, no. the ending is they don't see that ending in front of them. So when they, when they leave uh, and come back and stay, there's a big scene in the middle where they, the Dutch couple is extremely manipulative, but in a way that makes the Danes actually believe that it was their fault. Yeah. That it was only misunderstandings. That it was themselves that acted a little bit too harsh and also like, okay, we, what are we complaining about? That we don't like the bed that that you did that you served meat. I mean, I could just have said that I'm a vegetarian. Why? How could he remember that from Italy? And so that that was the crucial point of writing. Yeah, uh, that they were leaving, coming back, and from there things should, of course, starts to go very very wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It, it is interesting because of the fact that I, I'm a big film music person. I love film music. I, 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 yeah. I love the effect that music has on a film. This one, it feels like the music is starting us off very early on in terms of... Yeah. And when they first are driving up to the vacation spot in the yeah. middle of the night, it's something that it feels like The Shining or The Thing. It yeah. feels like something very... Insidious is about to happen. Um, yeah. Were there, I mean, other, were there any particular, when you were working with a composer in this, yeah. in making the, in coming up with this score, what were some of your directions towards them when it came to the way mu the music is uh, utilized in this film? Well, we tried a lot of things, and uh, we also tried in the beginning to have nice music and that you didn't see the horror coming. But but when you work with a genre, you learn so much. We couldn't have a nice little pop song in the beginning because in horror films, there is a contract with the audience. If you see the beginning of The Shining, it has such a you know horror music in the driving. And then you have some scenes, there's an interview and you don't know, really know why, where it's going yet. And you know, Jack Nicholson seems a little bit, but you, but because you had that music, there's a contract with the audience that this is going somewhere. It's not just a drama. And, and after we have tried a lot of things, we looked at each other and said, we should, you should introduce that there is something about to happen. You just don't know what it is yet. And then we thought what is extremely important in this film, because there are so many banal, very relatable situations, it was that underneath that, it should be like biblical, it should be like references to mythology. Let's think the music big. So we talked about the film as if it was an opera, and that we wanted, you know, an orchestra and make the, the, the music a little bit too much, because in that you have a lot of naturally references to big questions and angels and gods and 
baroque themes and all that because the music is is saying that and the situations didn't say that that is you know people on holiday drinking wine and all that so you you, you have to not think the same thing so if you have a beautiful and you have beautiful image and a beautiful music it's like well it's flat so so we tried with this music also to make the film more elevated and then we were i must admit we were a little worried that it was too much and we also had some criticism that some people thought it was okay over over the top but if you look at many many horror films also hitchcock if you look at you know psycho the the herman music is also extremely weird and big and all that so we were just trying to take a chance here and uh, I'm so thrilled that we ended with, with, with keeping the music because you're absolutely right. In the beginning, there are many situations that are not scary, but the music makes a comment on, you, you have to look carefully here because there is something you don't see. And that's, a, that's elements in a film. When you work on films, you try a lot of things. And in the end, it just feels right. Mm-hmm. That's why we kept it. Oh, it was it was a fantastic choice i mean just just the way music is used and the fact that music plays such an important part in the way that the cracks start to show between these two couples and like mm. the scene in the car and yeah. you 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 get that tension like the scene in the bar which yeah. i i think is I, I think is actually kind of that scene is in particular is kind of hilarious because of the fact that they make it seem like oh you have to go to this place it's great it's like I mean it it's it's just like a regular bar what are you even talking about and then and and then they twist things a little bit more and I I'm trying to avoid spoilers as much as possible it's very that I think that's one of the things about talking about this movie it's it's hard to because of the fact that so many of these instances are so essential to how the movie eventually builds to its climax and the way that these characters react to each other is fascinating and it's just really rich and I I love that it's I love that you look at it as a satire because I completely see that in addition to just being a completely bizarre out left field horror movie as well that mm. doesn't really go by the horror convention and i it, it's just such a it's such a i mean i don't want to say it's a lovely film because it's a really disturbing <laughs> film it mm. it is it is just such a wonderfully imaginative film though and uh i i appreciate you uh I appreciate you bringing it to Sundance and I can't wait yeah, for people to start to see it when it comes out and shudder <laughs> no. because that's, that's going to be crazy. Oh, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's of course looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, um, there are many hilarious moments, uh, but I think that horror and satire goes along very, very well. Life is also dark but it's also funny it's not so divided as we used to in films and if you can take you know elements that you think doesn't go along like light and darkness and combine it then i think you have something that is very true Mm. and 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 we could because it is as you say a dark tale it is a fable or an adventure more than it's like a realistic story you know kitchen sink realism it has this elevated feeling to it Uh, but 
But if we know that, then we can leave room for something that is very sat satirical and very human. It's also mm -hmm. why we laugh is because it's recognizable. It's something we've tried. Well, we someone invite us for a dinner. We think it's on them. But then we're like, should we air? And then the coach says, no, no, you're going to pay. <laughs> and maybe that's okay because uh, because we also have, you know, free food and we don't for the stay. So there's, again, this is it just me. Yeah. But 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 if you if you know you're seeing a dark tale, if you know it's going somewhere bad, you should leave room for funny moments uh, because it's so human and recognizable. Life is like that. And then I come from a world where... I, I'm writing a lot like that, you know, satire and comedy, and 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 I have a, like a an open uh, source to that. Uh, and and the experiment for me was to work in horror with these more satirical ideas, and it has been just such a joy. And and um, I would love to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christian, thank you very much for your time today. I it was thank such you. a pleasure to talk to you about it. And it's it it really made me it really made me help appreciate the film a bit more than I already did. So thank okay. you very much for your time today. You're welcome. It was such a pleasure. Okay, thank you very much, and I hope you have a uh, good rest of the day. Yeah, and you too. Okay, thank okay. so much. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. It's. Uh, it's funny, I was originally not going to do a podcast episode for Sundance before my usual wrap-up, um, but with this movie and the way I've been thinking about it, the way it's been going around my brain, and then talking to Christian about it, uh, for longer than I usually talk to filmmakers when it comes to this type of PR, I I decided to go a bit longer and to include my review in with it and or at least my thoughts i still don't feel like i've kind of reviewed the movie because it's really it's hard to know what to say about this movie other than the fact that it's really stuck in my brain and probably in one of some of the best ways that i could imagine so thank you very much for listening to this episode of the sonic cinema podcast and instead of my usual outgoing music, I decided to go with something a little bit more sinister, and I hope you appreciate it.